of self-made i'm kenny your host from adzuki.com and all right i'm just gonna start out right off or right off the bat i am really excited about this uh this episode because i am getting to interview someone that i've been watching as, you know since i was a kid and you know i kind of uh what's funny is we were very close in age when this movie came out so watching my guest today uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I was like, hey, you know what, that'd be really awesome if I ever had a chance to meet her. But that was way back before Comic Cons and things like that. They were, none of that stuff ever happened. So saying, you know, maybe I'll meet them is like, maybe I'll just someday be wherever Hollywood people are. You know, I was like, what, 10 or 11, something <laughs> like that. So I had no idea. So anyway, we, uh, we have on our show today none other than, and before I actually give what most people will know her from, I'm going to, uh, let you guys know where she's from now, and you guys will be hearing more about this. Uh, I'm interviewing today, and forgive me if I mispronounce your last name. I forgot to ask you that before we started. Um, right. Tammy Stronek. Right on, I got it. From the Paper Canoe Company. And a lot of my listeners will also know her as the childlike empress from The Never Ending Story. Tammy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> this is really, uh, again, this is really a treat for me because uh, this is something that I would just never have imagined would have actually been able to come to pass. But thanks to the wonders of social media and, you know, just having a little bit of a drive to make things work. Here we are today. So today I want to talk to you. I mean, we'll talk about several other things throughout the show, I'm sure. But I want to talk to you about the company that you start. you started with your husband, correct? Um, Correct, yeah. The Paper Canoe Company. So just tell us a little bit what the Paper Canoe Company is. Uh, so I started Paper Canoe with my husband, Greg Steinbruner, after the birth of my daughter. And um, I really wanted to find a way to bring all of my passions under one umbrella. And I've been doing a lot of different things over the years. Obviously, I started out in acting as a kid, and I did some singing. I did a small uh, record in Europe when around that same time. And then I went into dance, and then I had um, my daughter. And all of a sudden, it just felt like creating a family entertainment company would bring all the pieces of the puzzle together and kind of click them into place. So I could combine storytelling with choreographing object manipulation and puppetry, which is, you know, another form of choreography or dance in my, in my view mm -hmm. and, um, and get back to some singing and work with my husband so that we see each other every <laughs> once in a while <laughs> and, pl and play, you know, so it was just a kind of dream to uh, find a way to spend time and do an interesting thing and, and, and something also that I could share with my daughter. Right. So let's actually jump so we back could, a You know, sit around the kitchen table and talk about work and she could be. Right. Absolutely. So let's, let's go back a little bit. Uh, so when did you leave the world of acting? Well, I did The NeverEnding Story when I was 11, mm -hmm. and um, 
my my parents were not Hollywood parents at all. They were academics. Um, my father taught at UC Berkeley, right? And um, they were archaeologists. And really, we had no idea what I was signing up for. I was doing a lot of acting and dancing in the Bay Area, like at school assemblies and mm-hmm. community theater. And I was like, "Mom, take me to this audition," you know. Because somebody saw me in an acting class and was like, oh, you should audition for this thing. And I was like, sure. And um, and then they said that the film would be in Germany. So there was this feeling that it would be this small, obscure <laughs> German film that maybe three people would see. And my mom was like, well, that would be fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have to say, like, making the film was really an incredible experience. I'll, I mean, I feel so, so lucky. But at the time when we came back, we all found this sort of prospect of celebrity really overwhelming uh-huh. because we had people camped outside our house. The phone was ringing all the time. Um, we got some really weird scripts in, like from directors with like nudity in there. And I was like, and <laughs> my parents were like, oh, I'm sure about this. <laughs> and and I wasn't sure about it, to be honest. Like, I found it all very uncomfortable. I just wanted to be a normal kid. I wanted to play with my friends. I, I So um, so I, I walked away from celebrity very consciously, but I never walked away from performing and storytelling. I was very, very active, and I joined um, the Berkeley Ballet, and I then joined two different performing dance companies in high school and um, went on to a dance conservatory, and then... Um, when I landed in New York, I was both acting and dancing, uh, and running my company. So just involved in, in the arts really throughout. I'd, so, um, it's funny, you know, I feel like it, it kind of looks like I stepped away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in my mind, I, I fell deeper into it in a way, um, in the sense that, you know, uh, the never ending story really, I feel like it impacted me kind of with its message of doing what you dream mm-hmm. as opposed to staying on the sort of Hollywood road. You know, there's, especially in that era, I mean, that comes from the eras of Drew Barrymore. And yeah. uh, I mean, you, you, th- this was when you were having like Johnny Depp was about to start blowing up when he was younger. And, you know, all these child stars, you know, the Fel- Corey Feldman, Corey Haim, and they yeah. all went, you know, on that train wreck of a path. Um, I mean, some of them bounced back. Unfortunately, some yeah. of them didn't. So yeah. I can actually, I can honestly see the candor of your parents saying, you know, ooh, ooh, I don't really want my my twelve year old going to a party where they're going to be snorting cocaine out in the open. Probably not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know they um they said to me, they always said to me, you know, if this is something you want to pursue, you're you can do it as an adult, and 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 it's still going to be, you know, something that you can, can get into later in life. And, um, and then I think that, you know, in many ways, um, the New York theater and dance scene were sort of so exciting that I just kind of got swallowed up, uh, in live performance and in the thrill of the exchange you get with live audiences. You know, it's really, um, amazing how much a live audience changes a show. You can do the exact same show. But depending on who's watching it, it's a totally different show. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's so incredible that, like, it, there's, it's an exchange. It's, like, really a collaboration. And, um, yeah, I just find that really um, 
kind of interesting. It was. And, you know, I mean, now I'm looking at, uh, and I know Wikipedia can't always be trusted as being uh, really fully accurate, but I'm going to, being that you already mentioned that uh, your parents were archaeologists. Now, yep. your father was Scottish, your mother was Israeli? Yes. So with them both being, you know, foreign to the United States, having gone through the Iranian uh, revolution and then having to deal with relocating again, that, and then getting into the whole Hollywood scene, that had to have been, I mean, that's like foreign on top of foreign on top of foreign, you know, so to be able to thrust you into that world. Sweetest, I mean, I really have to say, I'm very lucky, I adore my parents and um, they really are both in my opinion and estimation, like real dreamers. Like my father, you know, was this young um, archeology span student and he really wanted to go explore Iran. And he sort of crafted all kinds of ways of like going on internships and sleeping in garages on the cement floor and walking out two miles to get to a dig site and dig and then he had to go back but he won a little bit of money in the lottery and flew back to Iran again and and I just hear their stories of their crazy lives where they just made these like really radical choices about right. like thrusting themselves into but everything is very um yeah, I mean, it's all about, you know, archaeology in the 5th century BC. It's, it's, oh, wow. it's, it's, it's history. It's, it's books. It's, it's all, it's a kind of dedication to things past. And so Hollywood was just like alien. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like right. planet Mars, you know? So, so, all right. So, uh, you're removed out of that, but you're still working in the arts and you're still uh, moving, uh, in that direction with the drive that your parents had with not just uh, only, I mean, cause that's, I mean, we could do a whole entire different episode on, uh, from kind of like whenever you hear the story of Jesus, that moment of, uh, 13 to like 30, you never hear about. So, and that seems like that path for you was pretty grandiose. Um, so with the drive that your parents had, um, and you observing that, and plus the message that you got from uh, Never Ending Story, do you think that that played heavily into, uh, you know, going headfirst into starting Paper Canoe? Yeah, I mean, I think that I've always been um, really interested in um, having uh, the ability to kind of direct my own path. That's mm-hmm. been really important to me. And um, so I think, you know, it's an interesting concept being self-made. And what does that mean? And and also what does the, the, the concept of success mean within that? And for me, I just I value the ability to be creative and to kind of be in charge of my time and how I spend it so much. I feel like that's where the measure of success lies for me is that that thing in you, that kid in you mm-hmm. <laughs> that wants to play, that the world is so diligently trying to stamp out, that if you can just create the conditions where you can just keep that kid in you alive, mm-hmm. I feel like that's making it. You know, that's, that's like, that's, that's what's making it for me, you know? <laughs> that's a really, really, really good philosophy. Um I mean, that, that, that's like something that I'm going to quote for this episode because, I mean, that, that's, 
that's poignant. I mean, it it, re- it really, really is. And you're a hundred percent right that we live in a society, and not just domestically, but even abroad in some instances, where where our creativity and our that lust for life and happiness. I mean, my four year old was uh, just running up and down uh, before I was about to start this, and right before you called, he, he opens yeah. up the door and he's like, uh, "I'm like." Uh, what's up? And he and he has this little bouncy ball. He goes, "I was gonna roll this in the room um, to you." I'm like, "Why?" He goes, "Because I wanted to." And he rolls it, got up, and closed the door. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Is so being able to continue to have that is very very important in my opinion. Uh, uh, based on what I've seen with other business owners and running my own business as well, that you have to have that you have to have a passion that stems from somewhere. You know, and yeah. th- so with that, let me ask really quick with um, Paper Canoe, uh, the, and this will play into the pa- uh, just the conversation we just had. But where did the like name and branding come from? If you don't mind me oh, asking, just, just very yeah. curious. Uh, well, it's 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 interesting. We we got a um, an offer to uh, a residency and a show at the new Victory Theater as part of um, Theater Lab, which is uh, one of the programs that they run. It's like a, a Broadway playhouse mm-hmm. and they wanted to help us develop a new play. And so we were in the process of thinking about a new play and, and we it was just a collection of um, acting buddies of mine that I'd worked with over the years, many of whom had had children. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we had all done adult theater together. And we were like, why don't we put together something that's for families since we're all parents now? And then um, they called us and they're like, oh, we're going to run a story in the New York Times about the artists that are part of of of, um, of the of the series. And you guys had put your name in as um what is it? <laughs> we call ourselves just as a joke, tail section. And it's cause we had been in a theater company called Flying Machine. Okay. That was like up and running for 10 years and it was amazing. We performed all, you know, domestically, but then the company folded. And so the people that sit at the back of the plane <laughs> are always the ones who survive. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I, re- I did it. <laughs> really be a family theater company and call yourself tail, tail section that could, yeah that could go a couple <laughs> of different ways <laughs> and so we told them don't you know don't run our name that's just like we don't even have a name we're not even a company yet so they called us and they're like you really have to give us a name for the for the for the paper and so we 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 had like lists and lists of names and we were all on this um sort of uh google facetime thing with all of our faces and Kids are crying in the background and falling off of chairs. <laughs> Deadline's coming. <laughs> I like, know those group chats well. <laughs> um, and so we ended up settling up on Shoehorn for a small t- amount of time, and it ran as that. And then we sort of realized we, we did that because we believe theater is about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm. And so a shoe, like it's a, theater is really a vehicle for sliding you into someone else's perspective so that you can expand your sense of compassion then mm-hmm. to be shoehorned into something kind of means like being pressed into a corner you don't like right so we realized that, that wasn't the best name and then we stumbled across a book about physical theater called paper canoe 
And it's all about the art form and where it evolved from and um, its roots in European mime and clown. And it just, it, it was this book about this kind of sacred practice of storytelling through physical theater. And uh, so we, we uh, paid homage to this book that explains physical theater and nice. called ourselves a new company. And, and we're really, we're really happy with it, but it took a really long time, like any business name to find in a lot of iterations. You know, the, I remember when we were first starting our business that uh, we had a good, I'd say, two to three weeks of bouncing names back and forth. And yeah. then once you get the name, figuring out how it would be, how it would be oriented and set up and whatnot. And so there's a lot of planning that needs to go into it, but the the name definitely fits. Now, how many people are involved in Paper Canoe? Well, in the troop, uh, I should my- say. Yeah, my my husband and I are the co-founders and the directors of it, and then we have a collection of artists that we've worked with for the last 15 years. And depending on the project, we sort of tap different um, artists with whom we've had relationships. So I have a, I've had a dance company for 20 years. So if we need um, people to puppeteer, dancers are really good puppeteers because their fine motor skills are really good and they're coordinated and um Sometimes, and then we met some more people from the puppet community through that. And then, uh, the theater people are many of the people we knew from the old company that we were all in, Flying Machine. Um, and then we, Jake was just a friend of mine and he introduced us to all the musicians on right that on. album, uh, that now we're continuing to make more music with. So the fun thing about Paper Canoe is we just, we get to really play with a lot of different kinds of people mm-hmm. and um, and each project sort of allows us to explore a slightly different medium. And so today we were doing a video shoot and we're kind of um, foraying into digital content and um, and stop animation, which I've never done before. Nice. Um, yeah. And so uh, through that, I've met um, some really interesting new stop animation people. Um, so it's really um, a kind of um, pickup company, uh-huh. uh, but many of the people and many of the designers are cycled through the, all the different projects. Now that that actually kind of leads into what I was going to ask really quick next was with the structure of the business. Um, are you guys just a troupe that are working on developing your own projects that you will then uh, shop around uh, to be picked up, or uh, do you have people that are uh, offering to write stuff for you uh, for their own productions? Or is it kind of just like a big mashup of all those that are the building blocks for Paper Canoe? Um, well, Paper Canoe is is really making making its own contents. I think that's kind of the foundation of okay. it. Um, but what we're... Um, we have um, live shows that we run, like last year we ran uh three months of programming in brooklyn at a theater so nice. we had uh, shows every weekend for three months okay um and then we're going to be doing the same series in the fall with with uh, beanstalk jack right um, and the other thing that i i'm a teacher as well i i taught for lincoln center institute as a teaching artist for a long time and oh, then wow. i became full-time professor at Marymount Manhattan College. And now I've stepped back from that and I'm an adjunct professor so I can have a little more time to, to work on Paper Canoe and my dance company. But, um, but I love having an educational component to the shows that we do. So we have a sock puppet show we made and then we taught kids how to make their own sock puppets at the end of it and they all went home. And then I got videos from parents with like little like home theater stuff. Nice. The kids right on. Shoot. And, um, 
And so with Beanstalk Jack, we want to talk about all the instruments with the kids and where they came from, what the history is, and then bring like big vats of like lentils and beans for them to stick their hands in and make their own bean shakers. So, and that's text, very textile for the kids too, which yeah. is obviously huge. So that's all. Oh, that's good. Touch like a big vat of beans. Um, and then, you know, we're going to give them each a, a magic bean that they can make a wish on. Uh-huh. Um, so I feel like something that's really important to me about paper canoe, like I said, is there is, the, the, the products themselves stand alone, but, but when you come to a live paper canoe show, it, we really want it to be an exchange and we, re, we don't want, just want to perform and then have everyone leave. We want to come out into the audience. We want to talk to the audience. We want to talk to the kids. We want to make stuff with the kids and we want those kids to send us videos of the creativity that they have and what the show did to kind of ignite their own imaginations and, um, so that's really my goal, that, you know? That's a really, really good concept. And you don't see a lot of, um, things that are geared at children, uh, wanting that type of feedback and that actually, and then also wanting to provide that type of textile, uh, you know, and, you know, where people, the kids can feel what they're doing. They can see, they can touch, they have something, you know, that they, you know, a little bit of a totem that they can bring back with them. That's a, a memory of what they experienced. Um, and let's actually talk about Beanstalk Jack for a minute here, because I, if you guys, uh, that are listening, go over to Odzuki.com. Um, there is a review of the entire album, uh, that is out that you can pick up at Bandcamp, right? Yep. Okay. Um, which I, one of my friends, uh, when I was mentioning that I was about to do a review and she, she was freaking out because she had heard about it and she wasn't sure where to get the album from. So once I did the review and showed her, you know, go over to Bandcamp, she was elated, absolutely loved it. She has two kids. Um, but being that you guys live in New York, um, are you guys cl- like, uh, closer to the boroughs? Are you in Manhattan or kind of? We're based in Williamsburg, um, okay. which is just one stop away from Manhattan, but uh-huh. it's, it's Brooklyn. Um, and I've been here bef- now. The, it, it, it's a different neighborhood, but it, it used to be the highest concentration of artists in the United States when I when I moved here. Oh wow! And it was really um, magical. Like every other building was a studio or an art gallery or a makeshift theater. There was just it was really kind of um, a really exciting, uh, time. And a lot of that's kind of, um, been replaced as things do, you know, you know, neighborhoods change and they, mm-hmm. but uh, we have a J crew now. <laughs> there's a, the way there's, there's a J crew in Brooklyn. The companies that, and a lot of those kind of small, uh, funky art spaces have been a little bit displaced. So I, mean, I was born in Brooklyn. I lived there for five years. Uh, I haven't been back to Brooklyn since 98 and it probably looks a billion times different than last time I was there. Um, but the fact that you said that there's a J crew in Brooklyn is kind of blowing my mind right now. <laughs> it really, it's like, it, it, it feels like Soho now. So it's funny, but it, it wasn't like that, uh, 20 years ago, but, I think there's a real thirst for it. I mean, we're sort of the the last island standing, um, and I feel really committed to creating a company that can employ artists and can employ designers and keep all these creative and incredibly talented people um, having an opportunity to to express you know express themselves in these ways. And so, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, I feel and I feel like you know the the kids um the kids need it like we we keep on putting everybody um life is so busy and time together as a family where 
you can talk and exchange something and then stay for like a craft activity. Right. And, um, it's basically what I wanted with my own kid. When I was walking around Brooklyn, I was like, can't I go somewhere with my daughter and do, you know? Right. And so, um, so I basically just created the space that I wish had existed for me when I had my little toddler. Now she's getting older. <laughs> I hear you. Um, so with you guys living in that area, um, is that a heavy folk area? No, the folk thing doesn't really come from Williamsburg. It comes from Greg and I. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, my, my father's Scottish, uh-huh. as you said, and I grew up singing Scottish folk songs, and that's kind of what we do when we get together as a family. So, so, so you you can sing in like Scottish brogue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see that, that 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 you just like gained like another like seventy five points <laughs> in, in my book here because that's uh, I, I am a very huge fan of um uh, of virtually everything Scottish um and that's one of my goals is to make it out there at some point in time um but that that's really really cool um and that's and I'm so does your daughter know uh how to sing it as well. We, we're teaching her the songs. Yeah. I mean, we, we, my husband and I get up in the morning and he plays guitar and we all sing as a family. So, I mean, really paper canoe is just us sharing with the world what we kind of do in our living room anyway. <laughs> but that's the best type of job though. That's, that's the best type of, because yeah. it's, it's not really a job that that's like the best type it's, of experience. You no, know, of course it is. It's an incredible amount of work and, mm-hmm. you know, it it is it is but it it's just genuinely what we enjoy doing as a family. So and then Greg Greg's uh, heritage is Irish, and he grew up listening to a lot of Irish folk music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know I don't know my my parents we we listened to Simon and Garfunkel and those kinds of songs. So um, it's definitely you know this sort of tradition that I grew up in, but. But I also like a lot of really different kinds of music. And we just felt like the story of Beanstalk Jack had its own kind of musical suggestion built in because he starts in a shack. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like some fiddle and bluegrass made sense because of the context of the story. And then when he goes up into the clouds, we sort of imagined uh, a like you know, Vegas or Dubai in the sky. And so we had to bring in some rock and, and I don't know, Tom Waits is so amazing. And so we kind of stole a lot of like eighties sounds that Uh we loved. And so we sort of modeled the giant after like sort of Tom Waits sound and the giant's daughter is like a mashup of Blondie and Cindy Lauper or something, and you like, know? And like I said in my review, the fact that you guys threw in, you know, like classic 1980s saxophone solos in the middle yeah. of it, I was just like, you know, all right, you, got, you guys got me. Um, I feel like the 80s was kind of this era of decadence. It really, you know? really was. And so, and that, and so it's, it, it, I feel like this, it's like following the spine of the story. Mm-hmm. It kind of, on the kind of music that could tell that story. I, I feel like if we animated a different story, we may end up with a very, very different sound. Oh, absolutely. Well. So, yeah. and, and with you guys doing this as like a stage performance, and now you're also getting into the stop motion aspect uh, of it, and then, you know, you have all these different things that you're building on it on top of just this golden nugget of a production, which has amazing production values, you know, getting the right people, uh, you know, 
hiring studio musicians is obviously not cheap. Um, you know, when, when it comes to, especially if you're hiring good ones. Um, so with that, and I know your husband has a background in, or at least I, I was reading that he has a background in like, um, voiceovers and being like a vocal coach and things like that. So did you yeah. guys pull from those different industries to be able to kind of help mold the way that you want Paper Canoe to grow? Um, you know, just making sure that you got the absolute best people, not only that, but I would assume just ones that you trusted. I mean, that is the key. That is the key to a successful business, in my opinion, is hiring the right people. And I think one of the most difficult things I've had to learn as a business owner of my, you know, is when someone isn't the right fit, it is important to be upfront about it, be very generous and honest and, you know, not, uh, never mean, right. but I said, you know, uh, in my youth, I just wanted to be nice and I just wanted to be liked. And you, that's not a good way to run a business, no. you know, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, sometimes you have to have a very, very thick skin, um, especially in the world of social media now. Yes. And I think that it's been a big learning curve for me. But what I really realized is that the people who are doing excellent work for the company, they deserve the best. They deserve to be around positive energy and around excellent people. And so by getting the right crew together, I'm actually doing everyone in the project a favor. Mm -hmm. So rather, so if there's for some reason, uh, you know, somebody that has to be let go or something, it's maybe uncomfortable for that person, but you're saving 20 other people who, right. you know, really want to move forward. So for me, for, yes, getting the right people is the foundation. That is it's the foundation. And I think, um, that's, that's been the biggest learning curve for me is putting the time and the energy into setting that ground floor up properly. Now, with that being said, there's this next question, cause we are getting close to the end of the end of this episode. Um, with social media and having a thick skin, have you run into any, um, well, everyone's pretty much familiar with the term, or have you run into any trolls uh, with what you guys are doing? You know, I, I haven't. I've been really lucky. Um, Outstanding. I, it, it, it does make one nervous, and it, there is something so problematic about the ability to be anonymously cruel. I mean, I find the whole thing very disconcerting. As I said, I mean, I work as a, as an adjunct professor and, you know, um, I've had definitely seen bullying in my classroom on social media between my students. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's really a, a problem it is. for sure. Uh, and I think that in some ways, one of the things that I'm incredibly fortunate for and I'm indebted to the never ending story for is that the, the people who are kind of drawn to that film, mm -hmm. <laughs> tend to be people who kind of want the outsider kid who isn't mean to win. Yes, you know? the underdog. The underdog. <laughs> so it kind of like collects this really nice group of people. <laughs> you really, in the world of uh, production and show business, you can't ask for anything more. I mean, right. really. I mean, it's... That is, a, that's one of those things where it's not a, you know, you know the saying, it's a blessing and a curse. No, that's just a blessing and stop, just a you know, full thing. stop. And so 
I feel like I've had this sort of very lucky kind of filter because many of the people that look at what we're doing are sort of interested initially through the door of the never-ending story. And that already kind of attracts a certain uh, warm, dreamy, dreamer person. (laughs) That's, I mean, honestly, that's the best demographic to actually go after because, you know, if if you, if you're surrounded with that positivity, that's, that, that's absolutely perfect. And the thing is on the flip side, it's also helped you connect with several other people that you may never have uh, connected with and it helps spread your audience. So, yes, yes, it does. And so I think, you know, for, for, for me up this far, it's actually just been a really great opportunity to connect with people that I wouldn't normally connect with. And, and, and I think that's the other purpose of art, right? Is it, how do we get out of these little bubbles that we live in and how do we feel more compassion and how do we, um, make ourselves more available to each other, you know, and, um, and, you know, every single tool can be used for good or for ill, Mm -hmm. uh, including art. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but for the, for the most part, I feel like, um, yeah, I've been really, uh, fortunate to, to find ways of connecting with people. It's been really fun. Right on. All right. So, uh, as we get, uh, come to a close on this episode, I normally ask, uh, two or three, uh, questions. Um, sure. And we'll we'll try to make these as fast as possible. First question. No, yeah. Were, were there any decisions that you made, you and your husband made, while getting Paper Canoe off the ground that you were like, probably shouldn't have done that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's, that's perfectly good. <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not, no, we're not going to go there. But yes. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, uh, is there, well, I guess, a uh, way I can mold this, um, is it in the world of production, if, they, you know, if we have people that are looking at starting up their own production company or anything, yeah. is there any advice that you could give to them, uh, about things that they may I, want to avoid? I, I'll, I'll give, I'll give one example that I can talk about that I think was, um, you know, potentially, uh, um, sometimes we bit off a little bit more than we could chew. Like we were so excited about starting it Mm -hmm. that our first production, Light a Dark Comedy, which is a play that I'm so in love with and I want to turn that uh, play now into a graphic novel. That's my ultimate goal for this story. Nice. Um, It's it's about a young girl named Ma who lives in a world uh, without light. And um, through kind of hubris, a mad scientist, sucked all the light out of the world hmm. in an effort to make people sleep and dream. And, uh, and then, you know, as, as it happens, people will exploit situations and a very corrupt mayor springs forward and a kind of society comes forward where they forget there ever was a sun or light. Oh, wow. And for me, you know, it's, it's this big epic journey that Moth goes on and she brings, she, she brings back. She saves the day, literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, I like it. Um, so that was sort of the story, and but it was enormous. It was just epic, and we were in a in a in a theater in um in Brooklyn, and we basically put on a sort of Hollywood movie in this tiny. Theater. <laughs> 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 it was just like so epic, and it kept growing. I mean, it was just like you know. And now we need an elephant. And now we need what else? Can somebody, <laughs> you know, it was just, 
And, and in, you know, I think in many ways, what we're doing with Beanstalk Jack is first we made the album. Mm-hmm. Now we're developing the live show in stages. We're doing one video a quarter. And okay. so the, the sort of the pace at which we develop our project is, um, it's just a much more, uh, uh, sensible pace. Right. So that we, we can just stay fully focused, never fatigue and stay one step ahead of wherever, you know, the business is going. Right. So that would be my growing pains and advice that I have is just to kind of, um, think strategically four steps ahead and not get so caught up in the moment that you kind of, um, can't see the, the, the steps forward, you know. Right. Okay. And then the last question I have for you is with, uh, speaking of that and speaking of growth, uh, do you see, and you know, being that you guys are putting out, starting to get into the digital video realm, um, do you see this as something that you would like to possibly expand into maybe shopping it to, uh, one of the networks like Disney or Nickelodeon as like an interstitial or something like that? Yeah, no, definitely. That's definitely a thought process. And, you know, in my, in my dream of dreams, light would turn into a, a, a movie that some lucky 11 year old girl <laughs> would then play in and I could produce it and watch her. It's the circle <laughs> of life. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, you know, my daughter, yeah. So, uh, we, we are. And I've also started doing a little bit of acting again. Um, I did a short stint, um, in a, in an indie film. Uh, in Seattle, and I'm looking at a script. Was that ultra talking- low? Ultra low, yes. So- and I'm looking at a script on Monday. Um, and so I think in some ways, um, I, I, I just don't feel the same way about, uh, worrying about being in film. I think I, there's something about being in your forties where you kind of relax and you're uh-huh. like, that's so ideological. Like, I must do the theater. <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, no. I don't have to only do that. It's right. okay. You can do, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, so we're definitely, I think I'm, I would like to do some acting again. And, and, and I think that that a foray into some digital content for Paper Canoe is definitely some steps we're planning on taking. That's outstanding. Well, again, I really appreciate you uh, joining me on the show today. And I appreciate the time that you allotted uh, for this interview. Um, and we look forward, uh, if anyone wants to get, um, Beanstalk Jack, uh, you can just go to beanstalkjack.com, right? Yeah. And yeah. it'll get you the links to, uh, Bandcamp where you can purchase it. And I think the, uh, digital is like 10. And then if you want the actual physical CDs, 12 or something like that. I think it's 12 and 14. 12 and 14. That's okay. I'm not trying yeah. to undercut you. <laughs> it's come live at 10. There so you go. Um, live. uh, w- where will you guys be performing it? We, uh, we have, we've been doing a couple gigs at Jalopy in Brooklyn, but we're going to go back to, um, Triskelion in Williamsburg. Okay. Uh, just a theater that I've been working with for many years and it's, um, they're wonderful. They just hand me the keys and we get to take over the space and create havoc in there. And nice. it's a really, it's a lovely little space. So, um, it's like a hundred seat theater. So it's intimate and can really interact with the families. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to thank you because I feel like not enough people encourage other people to be self-made mm. and it's a scary thing and it's a hard thing. And so I think that creating a show that celebrates uh, people who 
take the risk and, um, you know, go out on a limb and see what they can do um, on their own is, is, is like Jack climbing up the beanstalk. So well, I appreciate that <laughs> a lot. And I'm going to quote you on that. Um, so again, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Self Made. I was joined today by Tammy Stonearch, uh, sorry, Stronick from um, Paper canoe company also from the never ending story this was uh again uh checking this off of my bucket list uh but please uh if you guys can go to itunes rate the episodes uh leave a review for the episodes it helps us out tremendously helps raise the rank so that we can reach out to more people and uh use this show again as a little bit of a uh, educational tool so that you don't make the mistakes that we all made but you can also follow in the footsteps of the people that are successful so that you too can be successful again I'm Kenny from oddzuki.com. Check out uh, Paper Canoe Company uh, and Beanstalk Jack at beanstalkjack.com. Uh, go buy the album on uh, Bandcamp, even if you don't have children, because it's just a really, really good album. And if you're a musician, you will absolutely, positively love the musicality of it, love the saxophone, love the accordion as well. That was a nice touch as well. So anyway, I'm Kenny from oddzuki.com, and we will talk to you guys on Self Made next time. Thank you, Kenny.